Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Testing. We're testing. I think we're good. Look at that. That there, that there's a first. Okay, yeah. that's a first, and I'm gonna take that kind of energy on a on a Thursday. Cool. So I'm just let's go right into it. Who are you? My name's Ben. I'm uh, also known as the Box Dad on social media and TikTok. Uh, I'm the owner of Box Painting, founder of Box Foundation, uh, outdoor enthusiast, and father of two. What the hell's going on here? What are we doing? What do you mean? What are we doing here? Oh, like today? The episode? This is the... Oh, this is... Oh, sorry. This is the how-to podcast with Luke and Ben. That's right. I'm Ben. That's Luke. You normally... Don't hit me with that. You normally do the intro. Hey, you said you were bringing the energy. Bringing the (laughs) funk. I am. I I am in... um, So, first, I have absolutely nothing in particular to discuss today, but I am in a good vibe energy today um and there's no particular reason for it it's just well it's probably the changing of the season autumn is autumn is my vibe it really is and i think the other thing too is i get because autumn like is my vibe i mean for those that don't know i have a whole tattoo that's just autumn themed oh i did not know that you didn't know it's all autumn themed. I know that you have the tattoo, but you haven't gone through like the, yeah. Like welcome to fall. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't dissected the meaning of it. Really? Oh, when when would we have done that? Who take my shirt off and show you my sleeve. (laughs) This represents September. This moves into October. This is Halloween. And here's Thanksgiving dinner. This is the time I got an elk. What do, you, what do you mean? Like you and I have sat there and dissected your tattoo. First thing, Ben, great to meet you. Tell me about the meaning of your tattoo. When did we do that? We have not. I know, but you, like, you, you said like, how do you not know this about me? <laughs> this is going to be a good episode. I can feel it. And uh, we're going to have fun. Um <laughs> Here's Peyton Manning as a fawn. So here's the thing, though. So I like we talked last last episode, right? I get a little cynical about people celebrating the 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 season of pumpkins a little early. You oh, know? The pumpkin spice. 
Yeah. Like, what are we doing in all it's, it was August last time and we're not, I'm not about that energy. So I get this cynicism because it's still warm out, but now we're, you, you look outside, fall is arriving. The, the leaves are changing. Yeah. The, the air temperature is cooled. We, I, I believe we kind of had this last weekend, our last hundred degree day for, for the, the remainder of the summer. I think that, you know, maybe we get into something in the 80, upper eighties and nineties, but we're, we ain't going to hit a hundred again. I bet money. Well, yeah. Well, hope not. Uh, we've got, we had enough of them. It's, it's official. So here's the weird thing is it feels like fall is always the earliest to change. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it has it's more to do. Time. What's that? Oh, I was going to say spring takes its time to come around. Like spring always takes. Its yeah. Time. But like, okay. But it's not the weather. I think, I think what is that like slams fall into your face is football. Mm-hmm. It's oh, football. Yeah. There's just such yeah. like, cause spring is baseball and nobody's yeah. like, it's game one. Everything's on the line. It's like, like in the springtime, <laughs> we dim boys. <laughs> yeah, it's like springtime. It's like, all right, well, they're reporting to spring training, and you're like, yeah, in Arizona. And then you're like, you're like, cool, they're in Florida and Arizona. Like nobody's nobody's coming to spring training in the Pacific Northwest, and we don't, we don't even have like in Portland. No. There is no football. There, there's nope. there's Portland State mm-hmm. that nobody cares about. Like nope. this weekend, the Beavs are coming up to play Montana State. At, yeah, at their stadium, at, right? Well, no, at Providence Park. At, yeah, but Providence, that's what yeah, I meant. At, like at the soccer stadium. At the so, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it's but it's like, but the NFL hits you like a sledgehammer. Like, dude, the, the, the from last Thursday through Monday, you're just uh, nice, <laughs> nice tie. By the way, Colts. Just tie the freaking Texans. Hey, you know what? I worked hard to tie the Texans too. Yeah, we worked hard. Like, like for those of you who don't know, me and my ex, Hannah, we are Indianapolis Colts fanatics, right? And we're still on very great terms when it comes to discussion of football. (laughs) Football. And I like and, that those are the only terms you're good on. No, no, no. Yeah. We're, we are in good terms on all things, but in particular, like, can I just, that, can I just squeeze something in here? Well, cause I, it'll, cause I'm sure that you have something wonderful for wonderful to say about your ex-wife here. I just don't want to lose this train of thought. This is for, for all of you listeners right now. He and his ex-wife fans of the same football team, me and my still wife, bitter rivals. I'm Seahawks. <laughs> she's 49ers. So if you think you have to get along with everything, you're much you better don't. off having something as silly and stupid as sports to fight about because then it Absolutely. takes attention off of everything else. We've got 49ers Seahawks week two coming up this week and we're going to be yeah. at her. We're going to be at her family's house and uh, there's probably going to be some uh, slap fighting going on. It's going to get ugly, but you know what? Yeah. We'll be better for it. You got well. And yeah, well, yeah. and let's be real. The, the Seahawks, that was a good game. It's a great game. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't like a great, well-played game necessarily. Second half, no, didn't but, it, but, at all. but as far as entertainment value, it, is, it gets no better than that. That was awesome. Yeah, win is a win. Yeah. Um, okay, so we are diehard Colts fans. And the one thing that Hannah and I still text about today uh, is football. Like, yeah. we will – we Not we the kids. Just, no, it's football season. It's football season. So I'm on my Pick way up back. a goddamn third down. Oh, by the way, one of the kids has cholera. 
Like, <laughs> don't worry about that. I'm on my way back from a trip with my father this last weekend. And I'm like, as we're driving, I'm, I've got the like fantasy cast, you know, where they have the little ball that moves back and forth on the fake field that, that you can see when they, and then that just tells you to play. Yeah. It's, a, it's like, a game cast. It's not the fantasy cast. Whatever. I don't know what they call it. Yeah. Well, it's game cast, but fantasy cast would be like this wide receiver has this many points in your fantasy league. Fantasy football is stupid. And we move on from that. Harsh. Okay. Harsh word. Okay. Uh, so anyway, at the end of this, Hannah and I are texting and, and I was like, how, how the, do we end this in a tie? Like, and, and the, the first thing she said is she goes, we were lucky to end it in a tie. That was a shit show. <laughs> just as you said, like yep. she, she was so disappointed. I mean, just with all the hype you have, you have the number one, I mean, arguably the number one running back. Yep. Um, and, and who had a, a decent game, mm-hmm. 165 yards, a touchdown, I think 30 some odd carries. Why are we, why can't we, and, and the defense held. You're playing against then, the freaking Texans. The Texans and David Mills. It was disappointing and disheartening. Davis um, Mills. And I think the other thing too, Dave, oh, thank you, Davis, David. No, so the other yeah, too, don't just whatever his name. Jeez. <laughs> whatever. Barney. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm not Barney, but. The, the, what I, this is what bothered me the most about the game. It was the, if you take the end of our season last year where we yeah. lose the last two games. To Jacksonville, one of them. To Jacksonville is one of them. And then you pair that with a tie to start the regular season. And you changed quarterbacks. And we changed quarterback and, and, and made good up. I think we made good upgrades at defense. I think, I think, and, and a couple of offensive, I, how, hmm, anyway, I'm just, <laughs> I, I better see a whole heck of a lot better. And I do believe, I do believe that Frank Reich is on the hot seat this year as a head coach. I think that if they, if it is, it if it is not, I think that if it's not minimum a playoff berth, but even I think he needs to win a playoff game or two to keep his job. My roster is too good. Yeah. Their roster is too good. And I, what I think sucks is that I believe our GM, Chris Ballard is, is excellent, but unfortunately he is tied to Frank Reich and his performance. And it is very possible that we could lose a quality GM. Like I believe he's a quality GM in because of this pairing. And that's really unfortunate. Well, the good news is you have a rational level-headed owner. So I think you'll be fine. No, nothing. (laughs) Just crickets. Shimmer say no, doesn't fit that bill. Uh, All right. So walk me through this, uh, this fall tattoo. What do you get? What's going on? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I can, so I can see it now. Now we're going to, when we talk about the tattoo, the first thing you need to know is that the, the former best friend that I had had oh, taken for, a picture. Former, like oh, uh, super drama, super oh. drama, like 30, 30 plus years of friendship gone. Right. Like that. No contact. Just, we were done being friends. Whoa. Now the beginning of the tattoo uh, began prior to our, our ultimate, uh, demise as, as, as friends. Right. Sure. But he took this, this picture, um, that, that would basically begin the process of the full sleeve tattoo. Okay. Um, th- the other thing to know is 
my experience doing a full sleeve tattoo is I think different than a lot of people. I think that a lot of people will enter into the concept that they're going to get a full sleeve tattoo and have a lot of input on how it's going to be, where it's going to be and what it's, what's going to go on. So I do my research, you know, in the lead up to getting the tattoo. And I found a guy named Dellen. And for those of you who want to go take a look at the guy's work, uh, it is called his IG is tattoos by Dellen. Uh, Dellen, you're saying Dellen? Yeah. D-E-L-A-N. Dellen Canclini. He's, he was in Salem and he now moved to uh, Georgia. So if I want to get my other half sleeve done, I'd have to go um, and I would go do it, have it done by him for sure. But I'd have to travel. So I, I figure out that this is the guy I want to do through, you know, looking at pictures. Can we just, can we cut out? Yeah. This is the yeah. guy I want to do. No, we need to edit no? that. It needs no? to be, this is the guy that I want to go have work yes. on. My- this is the artist I would like to work with. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. This is the artist that I want to work the with. guy I'd like to do. Yeah, that wasn't, that, just, that came out way, way wrong. Hey, I don't know uh, what your relationship is. Is this, is this why your friend Stop being your friend? Not at all. See, homophobic. <laughs> Okay. about your relationship so, with Dylan. I go, I go and I go to like the studio, right? Yeah. And I, I say, hi, my name's Ben, you know, yada, yada, yada. And he's working on something. I was like, this is what I'm looking at doing. I'm looking at doing a full sleeve. And I, I want to have one artist do the entire thing. Yeah. Um, that was my, my number one goal was one artist that I found that I could trust that would do the whole thing. And I gave him the concept of the picture, right? That I was going after and I said, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And, and then he stopped me. He goes, okay, just so you know, I appreciate everything you want to do here. And those things, these elements can be Im- in, implicated in the tattoo. But know that the way that this is, works for me is you give me ideas. I just imagine it based on the story that you tell me. And then I, I put it on, on your, your, your body. And so each session, there were four sessions. Each one took somewhere between four and a half to five and a half hours. Damn. Uh, yeah. So about tw- almost 24 hours of total work. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a good amount. And the way it would work is I would say, okay, Dylan, I want to have seven trees that represent X. I want to have this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. What do they represent? If you got, if you've got okay. this all in your head. So you're, you're explaining that this is, yeah. this is now the how to fall podcast. <laughs> How, how to, uh, or how, I don't know. How, how to fall, because it's, a, it's two double meaning. So, so the tattoo begins here, right? Okay. So we'll start here. The front, uh, this is the front of my forearm. And in particular, there are one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven of these types of trees that move right here. These, these represent the larch or the tamarack, uh, which is a high alpine fir tree. Okay. It, the uniqueness of the uh, the tamarack or larch is that it's le- or needles. They turn yellow and they actually fall off. They are a evergreen tree, but they actually lose their needles like a deciduous tree. So, so wait, wait, wait. Real, it wouldn't be evergreen. It's like a conifer. A conifer. Thank you. Thank you. Con- That's, God. Get, keep me going. It's, like good, it's a good thing I'm here. Yeah, it, we need, we absolutely, it's good. So uh, each tree represent each of those trees represents a member of my family to include Hannah, right? These are what I would, you know, mother, father, um, sister, brother, uh, what I would call front end support, right? Like as you're going through your life, uh, they are, they are 
a major part of your life. Okay. Then, uh, so the, the, the interesting part is, is that you see the dog here on, on the, I do, uh, I do see the dog. Now people are listening to this, so they do not. Yeah, so, and if, for those of you that follow me on social media, you can look at my arm. I have done TikToks that explain the tattoo, but the, so the dog is Ori. Ori passed away in 2018, but the picture was taken, I believe in 2015 or 2016. And the picture that it is was taken by my former best friend. And it was probably from about a hundred yards away in central Oregon. And we were bird hunting in the snow and it's just this cascade landscape of snow. And the dog is running back to me. My dog is running back to me. And there's this mountain hillside that's also covered in snow in central Oregon as we're hunting upland birds. So that's kind of the the start of the scene, right? Is where you have the mountains but in particular, you'll notice that there's also trees. In the picture that I have that was taken by my friend, there were no trees because it's Central Oregon, so just big open landscapes. High um, desert. Yeah, high desert, exactly. So the trees I added, but these trees right here, this series of trees, right, in the, in the foreground or background, thank you, um, those trees represent what I would call secondary support people of my life. Um, in particular... I mean, I can name a good handful of them. These are the people that were my scout masters growing up in Boy Scouts. These are how far uh, did you go in Boy Scouts? Were you an Eagle Scout? I am an Eagle Scout. Yeah. Well, like my other tattoo across my back is on my honor. It's the first three words of the Scout Oath. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's a whole it's a whole thing. Um, (laughs) It's a whole thing. So that's so this first part right here on the forearm was the first part of the four part series. Yeah. Um, and it begins with, with Ori running. And when you flip it over, right, the next part is on the inside here is Indy. So Indy is looking toward Ori, right? Yep. And the reason that this is important is because Ori would pass away in 2018 and Indy, my now chocolate lab that I've had since 17, uh, they were best friends for that year that Ori and Indy were together. Two chocolate labs, no doubt about it, that this dog learned to hunt from Ori. Um, and the morning that Ori would pass, it was July 31st. Um, the night before was a Sunday night, and I Ori had a rough day. She was 12 years old, and she was just having a rough day, meaning that she, in particular, her hips weren't working real well that yeah. day. She was just real rough. And so I didn't how, want her how to, old? Uh, 12. Okay. She was 12. Yeah. So I didn't want her to walk up the stairs that night to come to bed. So I put a baby gate up and I had her stay downstairs. And Hannah woke up that morning and went to work or went to the gym first. And I woke up after her to go to the gym second because then we, we that's yeah, how rotate we for the kids. For the children. Rotate for the yeah. kids. Exactly. And at 5.30, when I came down, um, I went, and as I went down, as soon as I went down and saw that she did not raise her head to, to see that I was there, I knew that something was not good. Like I, and uh, so I get the baby gate off, and I go, and she's laying there on the ground, just as she would, and I put my hand on her chest, and she was still warm. But she was gone. Yeah, uh, she was she was gone. And the fascinating part was is that Indy did not come down with either Hannah or me that morning. Normally Typically, she would. Oh, she would bolt downstairs, ready for food, ready to go outside. Right, like it's it's morning time. We got to get this day going. 
And as soon as I felt Ori, I called Hannah or texted her and said, hey, Ori's passed. Hannah immediately comes home. And the gym was only like five minutes away. And so she, Hannah gets home. And as Hannah gets home, um, I had moved in that time. I had moved Ori out to a picnic table that was on our back in our backyard. Yeah. And um, as Hannah gets home and once Ori was outside, that was when Indy came down. The first thing Indy did was she's smelling the spot where, where Ori had passed. Right. Very very emotional. And then she goes over to the picnic table that's outside and is smelling like she gets up on the the seat and she's smelling Ori. And we have our moments, you know, all those things. But for the next week and a half, almost two weeks, Indy would go outside for about 30 to 45 minutes a day and sit just like this on top of the table where this dog had laid, had she had seen her friend last and just look. Just stare just, off in the distance. Just stare off in the distance. And, uh, oh, I'm going to get emotional just talking about oh. um, so, but A special emotional episode of the How yeah, To Podcast. Um, so that right there, right, whether it was her looking for her friend and me now going through the process of losing a friend, right? I named the tattoo looking for a friend. Ah, right? there you go. That was that was this whole tie-in. So Indy is looking, right, toward toward Ori. Um, and I have many photos where I've taken Ori's ashes and Indy is, you know, looking in the mountains, yada, yada, yada. Um, the other elements of the tattoo is you move up the tattoo, right? So towards the um, elbow. Yeah. So again, we have the same trees here with Support. the uh, negative image for leaves that are falling, but then you get to the back of my forearm. The back of the forearm has a massive maple tree yeah. moving all the way up the arm. Uh, and it goes all the way to the crest of the shoulder, the shoulder uh, blade itself. Um, that tree in 2019 on a trip with my father that my friend, my former friend was supposed to be on, um, my father and I, we did a trip to Montana, uh, to do a deer hunting trip. And I have a picture of a tree that I took of my father that he's standing next to. It's this very large boxwood maple. The fascinating part about the tree is that my, my personal bet is that the tree is old enough that it saw Lewis and Clark come up this part of the Montana, uh, up the Missouri river. Mm. Like I felt like this tree was that old. It like to give you context, this tree was super cool. It's super big and it's in full yellow autumn color. Yeah. It's, and it's a boxwood maple, which is a, uh, a cousin of our standard maple that we have here. Yeah. Um, so I get the, I, I take a picture of this tree and I tell Dellen, I was like, I want this tree as kind of part of it. And he's like, okay, yeah, no problem. And he just runs this tree and it's in, I mean, you can see it, it the, the limbs come around yeah. the inside, the whole thing. But my, one of my favorite, um, my favorite uh, deciduous trees is the maple. Yeah. I love the fall colors. Uh, it's one the of my leaves favorite. leaves are badass. Like it's a whole leaves, thing. You yeah. Don't, you don't have to justify liking a maple tree. You don't. And come if on. you do, well, where are you living? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's a classic tree, yeah. a very classic tree. Um, so that is, so that, you know, you, you have this, this 
you know, honoring this concept of a trip with my father that I still have done now twice. I absolutely love the the, the space that, that it exists in. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot of symbolism. And then if you get all the way up to the top, right, yep. you have the owl. The wise um, owl. The wise owl in particular. Uh, the owl's name is Darius, just so you know. Okay. Uh, now, can you get why? Uh, for hooting the blowfish? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sad that I got that. Food. But you did. I know. Okay. The cool part about the eye uh, or about the owl is the eye. If you look at the eye, it has the reflection of the seven trees that are below. Uh, yeah. Right. And in particular, the owl is the representation of my grandparents uh, that, that have, you know, past wisdom, yada, 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 reflection, you know, all those symbolic things coming through. So um, the eye, though, is kind of what I mean, you know, it sells it. Yeah. It's like, like you look at it and you're like, oh, that's pretty, pretty B.A., you know. So uh, it was a four. But yeah, again, it was a four part whole thing. Uh, it took a year and a couple months in those sessions to get through um, because the way Dellen, you have to schedule out with him, you know, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm a good artist. They, they're, they're, they're busy. busy. If you call a tattoo artist and they're like, I'm free anytime. Yeah. Probably don't want to work. Probably. Yeah. Not I'm and here's the, I'm not trying to bash those artists. There's a, there's a niche for everybody. Right. But that wasn't where I was going to go and get, very permanent things done yeah. um, on my body. So yeah, it, you know, losing a friend is hard. I will say that yeah. uh, of, of 30 plus years, it was one of the, definitely one of the hardest things that I've ever gone through. Um, and it's, it's actually kind of funny. One of the things that Hannah and I, we were just talking about was, uh, so know that I'm an Enneagram eight and she's a nine. A what now? an Enneagram. Uh, it's these nine, nine different personality types ultimately that we all kind of fit into the box of. What am I? Some, I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know them. Well, <laughs> Hannah does. This is the, but Enne- know that, Enneagram. Yeah. It's, it starts with an E and then there's like a bunch of A's. It's a lot of vowels. Okay. It's a lot of vowels. Okay. So, um, so you're now an eight. I'm an eight and I'm a hard eight. What the hell and, does that even mean? Well, there's, there's a lot of different nuances to every single number or every Enneagram, but in particular things that, things that I, uh, that exist as part of my life that ultimately are, are part of the core that will never change. Cause I still, you know, even post-divorce I've grown and changed as a person. Um, but there's these core things that don't change. And one of the things that Hannah had sent me a video about, about eights was that, um, the interesting thing about Enneagram eights is that we will trust less than 10 people our entire lives. Like we do not, we do not trust people easily. And to give you an idea, I know for a fact that at current, I trust less than five. Let, there are less than five people that are allowed to truly know the, 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 the big, the everything, you know yeah, what I mean? All the things. And, um, Ben was certainly my former friend, Ben, he was certainly one of those, yeah. uh, those individuals that I, that I trusted. And so for Hannah in learning about the Enneagrams, what she's learning about me, even, even as a, as her ex-husband is how, how to interact with me and, and, and those things that, that make me tick the way that I do. 
Um, and in a, a, another really good example is if you're going to come to me with information or any, any Enneagram 8, it has to be whole truth the whole way, good or bad. I don't care. It, it, it does not matter what the information is. But if I find out that it is not, if there's holes in it, yeah. right? If, if, if holes exist in, in the storyline or the logic, I, it, I pull back. I won't trust you. I, it's, it's, we're gone. Yeah. And so for Hannah, the interesting part is that she's a nine. She's a peacemaker, right? Okay. And part of peacemaking also is, well, I don't want to share whole truth because I'm afraid that that's going to rock the boat. Yeah. And so, you're, well, because you're trying to balance the that, room. So you have to yeah. figure out how to give yeah. everybody the pieces that they need instead of giving. Yep. Everybody. And so for Hannah, what she is now beginning to understand. And, you know, these are things that we learn post-divorce and it's really good and healthy, like really good yeah. space. Um, but post-divorce, what she's learning is, is like, this is how I need to interact with Ben because this is what's going to make him feel comfortable. It, this, this will get her. She understands that by giving me all the information, it will get her to the peace that she ultimately is searching for as the peacemaker. Right. I will, I will be much more calm when I'm given all of that, that information, no matter what. Um, is this, is this part of the difficulty that we have sometimes in the world of forgetting to include ourselves as part of the, the, the equation part of the, yeah, exactly. So she's trying to make like, as a peacemaker, sometimes you go, all right, I need to make peace with everybody to the detriment of yourself. And for you getting all of the, I need the whole truth. And and then, but if you can't give the truth, then you end up betraying yourself and now you're an internal struggle and all that. And, and, this, and this in that shit. internal, yeah, in that internal struggle, right? That's where you start figuring out how you're going to react to certain situations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, uh, one thing that Hannah and I just talked about is um, some some things that are going on in my family on my side, and my mother communicating with Hannah and not with me because my mother and I are kind of currently at odds, but we're kind of getting to a place where I think that we can start having conversation. Um, So she was bringing me information about a situation that not, we didn't necessarily have to have a decision on. And for me, I'm, I'm the type of person I want to, I want a decision, right? The Enneagram eight, once, once we have the information, it's boom, we make decisions, right? We, and we, we charge forward with, with the headstrong speed of of the the whole thing. I, it's, it goes. And for me, I have to take that in and then understand that there might not be an actionable item at the end that I have to come to peace with that for myself, that there is no action right now. We're just in this waiting period to see what's what. So, um, really, you know, and I've told people this on my lives, for those of you who join my lives, I personally believe that I am blessed with the absolute best ex in the world. Oh, yeah, uh, there you go. I, and she was, you know, she was an amazing wife. Um, she is an amazing mother um, and a great human. And as we go through post-divorce things, it's fun for us to both understand how we grow and where we grow, Right. 
but then how that we, cause we go back to these 16 years of marriage. Right. And at one point, Hannah asked me, she said, she goes, she said, she, you know, in, in conversation, we're talking again about these Enneagram types. And she goes, you know what I think I figured out on, on how we lasted for 16 years, how did, you know, how we did that because we didn't fight. It wasn't fighting, but Enneagrams or the eights, I need conflict in my life, right? Uh. Like I am the type of person where I will pick a fight with you over the most mundane detail. Like, I, I mean, bring it on. Want, Let's go. Yeah. Like I, I picked these stupid little fights yep. and what Hannah started figuring out was that the conflict was necessary. I didn't pick fights to be angry. Yeah. I picked fights for engagement. Right. Yeah. And the way that she would handle this as the peacemaker is sarcasm. Our marriage survived on sarcasm for 16 years. I would get my my conflict out of the sarcasm that she would dish me, which I love, right? Yeah. Like I I love and my daughter has that sarcasm. <laughs> I freaking love it. She throws it right at me, you know. It's it's the it's the absolute best. But as long as it is respectful, right? Yeah. I have no problem with it. There's always the respect factor and there's a, it's a floating scale, I think. You know, because, you know, sometimes even my daughter, she tests that boundary of. Wow. Here's the thing you have to remember is as you and Hannah try to discover who you are as adult people who have lived yeah. a lifetime of things, uh, your children are idiots. Uh, <laughs> they have no idea that. Well, there's there's no yeah. frame of reference for any of this. So they're trying to figure out how the world works. You are trying to figure out how you work in the world as you understand it. They're trying to figure out everything at one time. Like my my wife has a tendency to go, oh, these kids are just driving me crazy. And I think they're doing it on purpose. And I go, they don't have any purpose. What the hell are you talking about purpose? They're five. But that's that's the funny thing is, is we put – because, well, yeah. we do this all the time where we put our agency into, into the world where it doesn't belong, right? Like sure. – that fucking maple tree saw Lewis and Clark and was, uh, that's why it stands. So my, I didn't give a shit about Lewis and Clark. As far as I know, they're no. just a couple of assholes wandering through the woods. And yeah. so, but we put this agency on this, this tree is so old and you hear that and you go, Oh, I can feel the majesty of it. And you give it these characteristics that, you know, that are, they're human, human characteristics, right? We do that all the time. But I think sometimes we give additional agency to people when they haven't earned it. Right. Like, like we try to, sure. you put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Doesn't mean you've walked their journey. Like, like you, you didn't just go, man, these shoes suck. <laughs> the shoes are ever awesome. But like, it's, you, you have no. to, you have yeah. to figure it out. But especially with kids where you look at it and just go like, like I try to pull myself back and go, how much of this is just nature? I'll give you a, a ridiculous example of this. Okay. Uh, when I was a child, don't know why I did this. Anytime I had like uh, chores that were assigned to me, it was uh, it was like, hey, it's your turn to clean the kitchen or whatever. And this from the time I was very young, I'd be like, well, I gotta I gotta take a thirty minute shit. See you later. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I didn't learn it anywhere, and I certainly didn't try to teach it to anybody. But guess what my daughter does when you ask her to do something? Yeah, I know. I couldn't <laughs> tell you why she does that. The fact that it's genetic. Or whatever, yeah. like, but there's there's certain traits that your children pick up that you're just kind of born with. Like, you didn't aspire to be an 
Enneagram eight, whatever the hell that is. Oh yeah. But you just, you, you're kind of born with it and there's these certain traits, but the idea that, oh yeah, that's, they're doing this because they want to, there's a lot of things we have no choice over, Absolutely. but the yeah. older you yeah. get, you feel like you have control over all your emotions and all your thing. And you don't No, you don't. And your but kids don't at all. Yeah, no, it might not be a control, uh, but it is, I do believe that you can get to a point of awareness of where those, yep. where those emotions come from and uh, a better way to handle those. And my example of that is I think that many times, many, many times in my life, uh, I never got physical when I got angry or frustrated. Physical, I, was never, physical, I, I, was never, physical, I was never that kind of physical. guy, but I did get loud. I'm a very, I'm a loud, like I will talk louder louder than you. I will use this, this vocal thing that I have to drown you out um, so that, that I will win that argument. And that's not, that's not a safe space. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's not a safe space for anybody. And um, I really believe that for, for my kids, this awareness of that is, is really where um, I'm beginning to excel best. And uh, I think that our children are also a really good temperature gauge of these things. So um, back in March of this year, as Hannah and I were approaching a year of divorce. Uh, Congratulations, I to- by the way. Did you celebrate the anniversary? No. <laughs> When you say it that way, uh, no. So I remember my mom goes, do you know what today is? <laughs> no idea. She's like, today is the day that, uh, your father and I have been divorced now longer than we were married and they were married for 20 years. Yeah. Long maybe time. longer. And then, uh, but they still get along great. And it's, yeah. it's interesting, but there's, there's days where like all of a sudden everybody's had a few drinks. Mom and dad are sitting next to each other. Everybody's like, Woo! and then there's time where it's like, thank God I'm not married to that for both sides. <laughs> And it could be the same day. Oh, <laughs> like, give me the same 30 minutes. Give me a break. Right. But yeah, it's just. It, it's so, yeah. So I'm sitting on the couch with my daughter, Peyton. Um, TV's on. And Named I have. after Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> no? No, not even no. close. <laughs> so I'm on the couch with Peyton. My son, eight years or about, he's seven at the time. He's about to turn eight. Yep. He's, he's in the bathroom. Num- number two. Right. He's we in, just said taking a shit like two minutes. You're ago. right. Okay. <laughs> so Drop, dropping the kids off at the pool. Right. Cutting and rope. Do, he's doing that thing that children of that age do where they leave the door open. What oh. is that? Like, why? Why? But okay. So, well, because if I, you need help, you don't want any uh, resistance. Exactly. Get in here now. I don't need this door in the way. Get yeah. in here now. So, all of a sudden, I have this concept question come to my mind. And, um, I think in the, in the moment it was based on some, um, awareness of emotions that I was having. And I, I asked my daughter, right. Peyton, I said, I turned to her, I said, do you feel now that mom and dad are about to be a year divorced? Do you feel like I'm that, that dad is m- much more calm and just less stressed in general? And as I finished the question, my son from the bathroom, 
he comes over and he, or, oh, he didn't come over, but he's from the bathroom. He says, oh yeah, yeah, way <laughs> less stressed. Right. And I, I, again, going back to the kids and their, the things that they perceive, right. Is very important because the way my daughter explained it, because the next question I had was, well, do you feel that mom is more calm and less stressed? And again, Hannah and I, we did not have big arguments. Like we did not. And, and if we did, we weren't afraid to fight in front of the kids. It was, that was fine. It we didn't bother us at all. But They're, they take the was, corners. There was just kind of, rubbing your shoulder. Get in there. Get in there. <laughs> There was always this like stress tension, you know, of just being yeah. around each other. And um, the way that my daughter explained it was that if both you and mom at any given time were at a 10 on a 10 of 10 scale or one of one through 10 scale, you're both at a 10 on stress. Dad, you moved to a one, mom moved to a five. And that's where you stayed now post-divorce. There might be things that agitate you the same way they would agitate you. Like, I don't like a lot of clutter. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a big clutter guy in general. Yeah. So those things would get underneath my skin a bit, and I would typically just, boom, blow up, right? So get off the those, away! Yeah, we're, and I just start throwing stuff away. Like, yeah. just I'm just throwing, just, just throwing it away. So there's things like that that all of a sudden you become more aware of and the kids and their perception of those things is very important because it, and I think it's really good to do temperature checks too. It's like, Hey, you know, what, what are you, what are you seeing? Like these yeah. kids, the, I think that the other thing, you know, that we, we always bash screen time and those types of things, but um, everything in moderation. And I think that our kids, they pick up on so many, so many informational things come to them that they are, you could argue that they are more emotionally advanced than I was at that age because of the things that they're engaging with, whether they know how to handle the emotion, I don't know. Right. But, but the things that they're being presented with on an emotional scale, they might be too much. Right. But I think that the, the things that they're engaging with are a lot heavier than the things that I was dealing with at the same age. Well, I think, Um, I, I think, I think children have less stigma around topics. So if you bring it up and, and, and it's probably just a, a more of trying to think of how to put this correctly. It's just probably more of the environment thing. You present it to your children in a different way. I don't know that necessarily screen time or education, like there's certainly more conversations that we have, but there's just fewer barriers to bringing a concept to kids. And then what we do is, yeah, because because, because like I said, they have to learn a lot of this behavior that is ingrained. They're growing up in a very different environment than, than we did with the technology and everything that's around, but we still played video games and did all that and had, you know, different conversations. But it's, to me, it just feels like there's, there's fewer taboos mm-hmm. and it's the reason your son takes a crap with the door open is because he doesn't know he's supposed to be ashamed of taking a dump yet. <laughs> and he doesn't. He doesn't know that he needs to hide it. He doesn't. You know. He doesn't have the. He's not trying. He's not trying to impress anybody because he doesn't know he needs to. He's like my daughter. What one of my daughters? One of my daughters will. Can you come light a match in here? It stinks. <laughs> She's not wrong. She's like now it smells a little bit like fire, but it does smell better. And I'm like you're welcome. <laughs> and I don't like they'll run. You know, two kids running around the house buck naked, just being, yeah. you know, crazy, getting ready for bath time, shaking their butts, doing the whole thing. Like my wife is like, Oh 
God, they can't do that. They'll, they'll do this. They're doing this now. They'll do it forever. No, they won't. No, they won't. No, they, they won't. They, but it's like, it's, it's like Intel. Yeah. Cause there's, there's two different ways you can do it is, is you can be like, these kids are emotional. We have to protect them from it. Or these kids are emotional. Let's put our arms around it and go, all right, how do we, you know, like race you and I, yeah. you, you and I are probably, this is just a guess. You and I are probably uh, slightly more evolved than our parents were when it comes to speaking about our emotions. Absolutely. Now, that's not universal. There's like there's no. people that I've met in my life and I was like, well, your parents talked about that. And it gives us the idea. And hopefully our kids will be more, you know, socially adept than we were. But I don't, Absolutely. I don't know that it's necessarily a generational it's, thing as much yeah. as it is, you know, just, uh, uh, we, grew, we grew up like rednecks. Yeah. 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 Got you. You know, that's, that's part of it. But I, I just think, I just think for, for at least what I'm noticing is gone, man, there's, these kids have fewer barriers, but then there's, there's also the, you know, the constant struggle where there's probably more kids that are being suppressed that way because we don't want them to turn out like all these fruit loops that are out there and do, you know, it's like the people, the people, there are people that will, take that extra hard right or left depending on where they think that their kids are getting too soft or getting any of this. So I, I, the thing that's, that's good about having access to social media and seeing what people are going on is it shows you more of, of human culture, right? You, you have access, you can go and see what's going on the other side of the world Absolutely. But you can go, all right, let me find the things that I appreciate and embrace about this, or let me find more people that are against this and I can find that same echo chamber and I can create yeah. an environment that actually goes in a, in a stark contrast to that. My mom always said that her parenting philosophy was the exact opposite of what her parents did. She had a rough childhood and she had nine yeah. kids in her family or whatever. I spent plenty of time around her family. I know she didn't do everything the opposite, but she tried to make sure that she was, you know, more willing to let us go out and make her own mistakes and do all of that. And she didn't, she certainly didn't rule with an iron fist. Her dad did. And so, you know, you, you try to take the things that, that were difficult for you and do them the opposite. But my childhood was better than my mom. So I, you know, I'm like, what are the good things? What are the bad things? What are the things that, you know, we can do differently? And at, at some point you, you see the story of, you know, the, the billionaire mogul's son, the self-made, the self-made man has kids and they become inept because they had everything handed to them. And they, you know, from an outside perspective, we look at him and go, what, what an abject failure. You know, this person was yeah. a parent could have been a million things that led to that. But what we see yeah. is the things that we don't have. Well, they have money. So I don't want to have too much money because my kids are going to be terrible. It's like plenty of rich yeah. kids that grow up just fine and get great education yeah. and go on to carry the torch. But we see it because we always, we're always kind of drawn to disaster a little bit. Right. So we go oh, and look yeah. at these people and go, wow, I'm not doing what they did. Cause this person turned out like that, but you can pick apart the things that you don't like. And there's, there's something that will validate your story. You find the things that Absolutely. you do like, and there's things that will validate your story. So the, the bigger problem to me with the, the, the overconnected world isn't that there's, there's too much information out there. It's that our brains process intentionally the things that we're selecting for. Sure. You know what I mean? Like the, the things that, that you notice, you know, when you look at, 
a landscape or whatever. So, you know, it's, you go and you sit at the top of a mountain, go out mm-hmm. to Eastern Oregon, you sit at the top of the mountain, you're going to notice different things than I notice, than somebody else notices, right? You take somebody that's never been to Eastern Oregon, they're just going to sit there and take in the whole thing, the totalitarianism of the whole thing, and just be like, dude, look at the the vastness of it. You're going to be like, dude, I'll bet you that canyon is great for grouse and pheasants and whatever mm-hmm. else, and I'm going to look at it. And, you know, it's just we all perceive yeah, things through the absolutely. through our experience. So it's just – I had a uh, I, I had a friend of mine uh, – communicate that con that concept you're talking about right yeah. there uh when for for me to take people outdoors with me right yeah um for me uh it's very much an experience i want i want you to engage and enjoy the outdoors the way i do and my goal when i take people out is is to show you what that is for me and the, the, the lady that told me this was like, you know, if you go out to the woods and you're sitting in, at a, at a, underneath the moon and it's a lake, you're going to look at the moon. The people that go with you are going to look at that moon, look at that lake and the reflection, and they're going to say, oh, that's so pretty. The way I digest it is I look at the ripples of the water. I, like there's this underlying detail that exists for me. And if you go read my journals, like these are the things I talk about. It's it is it is very minute things where I'm looking at rocks, not not mm-hmm. not the landscape of all the rocks. I'm looking at individual rocks, what they are, why they're there, and I. It's this. Um, I have this drive to know everything. Yep. You know, like it's and it's fascinating me because uh, there's people that I talk to. Uh, you know, I just got a couple of things I did this last weekend, which were super fun, went sage grouse hunting. And on Monday I was out salmon fishing in particular, what I want to talk about here is the concept of vastness, right? So there are people that will look at the, uh, the, the universe, the galaxy, the Milky way, and they see this vastness and they get overwhelmed at the concept of all that could be out there, right? That vastness of and, it, and it, it's, it's this daunting, scary thing for them. And similarly, uh, the ocean can do the same thing, where it's this vastness of, we don't know what's there always, right? And, and because it is so big and so vast, it scares them. Like, to the degree that Hannah is terrified of whales. She will never go to the ocean. Really? She has an absolute... She's petrified of it, right? Getting knocked over by a whale. Check and, out and the you know, video of the whale. There's a humpback whale that eats a whole kayak. Did you see that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, worst nightmare. For oh, jeez. Right. And everything's it, fine. Yeah, it's good to go. Dude, everything's come fine. On. So the interesting part for me is that I find great comfort in the concepts of the galaxy and the universe, the vastness of the ocean. And the reason that I, I, I'm started to try to pinpoint why that is why i'm so comfortable because you're an eight what's that because you're an eight (laughs) no what it is is it is the um the concept that everything that is out there knows more than i do and i want to know what they know yeah whether that is the whale the fish what they've seen the things that they have seen and know are greater than what i know and for some reason my curiosity is greater uh, a greater emotion than fear 
So I would travel to the depths of the ocean to go get that information. And another example of this is back when Hannah and I were married, we did a live and we did this thing where it was a, it was a game. It's called uh, uh, hypotheticals. And it puts you in these situations where what would you choose to do? And like one of these concepts was you are give you can be given, um, $20,000 to go on any vacation you ever wanted to on the world, mm-hmm. on our, on earth. Yep. Or, and you can, and it's like a seven day trip, right? Or you could travel to the moon. You would land for 30 minutes, bounce around on the moon. And you have to come back. Okay. Right. Which would you choose for me? It's the moon. I am going to the moon, right? Sure. Like the, 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 it's just, I want to know more. So I'm going to the moon. I can do this vacation on earth. I know the things I want to know here right now. I want to go to the moon. And for Hannah, it was the complete opposite. Right. And, and it, it fascinating. Yeah. And so we had this, we had this debate happening in, in real time, team moon or team earth, right? <laughs> Where we go. And um, my, I think we were going to make a shirt at one point because it, at one point I'm getting not angry, like, but like in jest, you're getting like, loud. But that's loud. what you do, Ben. It is what I you do. don't don't drown me out. My position is valid too. And I was doing this thing where like, I couldn't even do that without loud. getting loud. I should have done that a little <laughs> shit. I should have done that softer. <laughs> Damn it. I wasn't good. Hannah. I mean, I've, Never matters. So I guess, um, but yeah, so, but that vastness concept, I just, uh, well, so here's, here's the, here's the thing that I think. So we went, I took my daughter's fishing, my, my, my brothers and my dad, my sister, their kids are a little bit older. They went into this campground that we used to go to when we were kids. And it's a, it's a pretty steep descent hike into uh, a Creek Canyon hike, uh, hike down to, uh, there's a little nice swimming hole on there. And we had this campground set up when we were kids and I brought my kids up the next day. They're a little young to be packing in their body weight in camping gear and they need a little bit more and whatever. I don't want to carry it all plus them plus the whole thing. So yep. we just go in just for a day of fishing and we go down there and I'm picturing this and you're talking about looking at like the individual rocks and stuff. The other thing, though, that I realized is when I go to that spot, we went every summer for probably 10 straight years when I was a kid and when we were all big enough to, you know, hike in all of this gear and stuff. And we hiked, brought in so much crap down to the bottom of this canyon, drug it all out. Most of it was, you know, just beer for my dad. So it was all gone by the time we went out. <laughs> but anyway, so we go down there and watching it through the kids' eyes, they're seeing it kind of for the first time. My nieces and nephews have been there, you know, dozen times or whatever, um, or spend enough time there. But for me, I look at it and look for the changes, look for, like, I see the memories. I see me and my brothers, you know, swimming across and jumping off the rocks on the other side. I see all the time that we spent just skipping rocks down the Creek. But then I noticed that like, you know, over two decades of winters, things have shifted a little bit. You know, these giant boulders that seem immovable, that seem like these these giant feats of the kids going halfway across the stream to go and sit on what they now call Cousin Rock because they can fit all six of the cousins on the rock. And, you know, we went down as with one of my cousins, I think, a few times. But it was, it was you know, it's Cousin Rock now to them. But they're yep. seeing it through their own eyes. And you don't want to take that away. You don't want to go, let me tell you all about the thing. You can just see where the, the the little path of a creek has now changed and done all of that. 
But the other thing that you do, and this this kind of happened yesterday. I went and played golf with um, uh, one of my best friends from, we played T-ball together. And then okay. a friend of mine uh, that they'd never met. And w- w- I was trying to pick, pick a golf course that was convenient for everybody. And I was like, let's play over at, we went to Heron Lakes and we played the Greenback. And I haven't played there in probably since high school that I can remember where like actually going and playing full 18 uh, on that course. And so I was like, let's play this one. It's just been a long time. And I couldn't remember all of the change, but every, every time you get to Holy, I'm like, Oh yeah, this now it's kind of kicking in. Cause we played it a bunch, but uh, you go out and you do these things that feel really repetitive fishing, hunting. You're kind of doing the same thing all the time, but golf is, is endlessly this way. Yeah. And I played through the front nine and I didn't play particularly well, but I, but it, you know, one of those feats when you're a, a 20 handicap is that I go, I'm playing with one golf ball the whole way through. And I'm like, eh, that's pretty good. Like, you know, yeah. had, a, had a couple we, nice we shots. Little. Didn't lose a golf ball. First shot on the back nine is pull the or, uh, slice the drive uh, right over into a big group of trees, tons of falling leaves. Cause it's a fall, which is not great for golf. And then they're, they have like their little compost pile. And I'm like, man, I went right towards this. It stinks. I'm not looking for it. And I'm like, screw it. I'm not playing that well. Anyways, drop a ball, chuck it up on the fairway. It's a par five. And so I'm one into the woods, two out, three up to the fairway. I'm sitting 104 yards out. And it's just, it's, it's all of this routine, right? But I grab my uh, 104 yard club, line it up hit it up there. Nobody's looking. I go, I think it hit the stick. The other guy looks up. He goes, I don't see it on the green. Maybe it went in, get up there. It's sitting in the hole. And I sink that's it from 140. Yards. It was three holes before I calmed down from it. And I'm like, dude, that's sweet. But you right? catch that big fish. Even if you don't get it, you see that giant buck that goes running across you. You have these things that we all do. Like, dude, you can watch a hundred football games and not have a hail Mary, but that just the possibility of it. And what happens is that the more you experience something, the more things that you expect to anticipate. And I've used yeah. this example a million times, but a bunch of people think baseball is boring. Totally get it. But I grew up playing baseball. I've watched enough baseball that I always imagine the scenario. Imagine going into the, like the eighth inning of a baseball game and you're sitting there and it's live and both pitchers are throwing a perfect game. I just bring up that scenario and every time I mention it, dude, the hair on the back of my arm stands up just being like, yeah. dude, that would be awesome. Yeah. Somebody's got to lose. But Somebody has to not. Yeah. Imagine that being your first baseball game you ever went to. Oh yeah. The expectation moving forward, right? No, no, no. This is the first baseball game you've ever been to. You don't really know how the game works. All you know oh. is these two guys keep going up there and throwing it. Nobody's gotten a hit. Nobody's You're been bored. on base. Yeah. Nobody's like, it would just be like, and you're, you're so like, what's the object of this thing? Well, he throws it. They try to hit it and then yeah. you get on base. And then when they get on base, that's when it gets really exciting. Cause then you have the steel and all this, whatever, like you get to the eighth inning. First of all, the game would be flying by, which would probably be a good thing for it. But then yeah. you just go, you have to understand like this never happens or whatever. Like, it's like trying to explain why something amazing, Absolutely. like, like, so my sister on her 21st birthday, uh, she wants to play craps. She's like, I don't know how to play craps. And I lived in Vegas at the time. And she gets down there and she's, I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, uh, just grab like a hundred bucks or whatever. And we'll throw it down on this table. It's a $5 minimum bet. And I'll, I'll show you to replace it. And she's like, what's the minimum? And I go, well, it's $5, but you'll need more than that. She's like, can I just start with five? Yeah. I go, yeah, I guess so. Whatever. So she puts it on the come out line. And so we roll and 
seven, she wins. She's like, this is great. And then (laughs) I was rolling and she's standing on my left. I'm showing her how to do it. I rolled for like 12 minutes. Ooh, you're you're in a a heater. Dude, I ended up winning like 400 bucks on the roll. And she ended up winning like a hundred because she didn't like every time I'm like, oh, well now move your bet here, whatever. But she started from $5 and she's like, this is amazing. She's like, you're so good at this. And I'm like, all right, you're rolling. She's like, what? I'm not rolling. I won a hundred bucks. Like this is the best night of my life. I think it's the only time she's ever played craps. I think it's the only time she's ever played craps. Yep. And the first time I taught my wife how to play craps, because my wife grew up in Vegas, but she moved away when she was like 19 or 20. She moved okay. back and then we started dating and she's like, I, want, I never learned how to play any of these games. So we go to play craps the first time I played. We ran out of the table and everybody crapped out on like the first or second roll. And we uh, lost that hundred bucks in like seven rolls. And it was just absolutely ridiculous. We go over to play roulette and she just starts winning right away. She will never play craps again. <laughs> and she will always play roulette. It's just the, it, but it's these, it's you create enough scenarios that if you yep. go and the first time is amazing, you go back and you may never hit that height again, but it's, it's that the expectations and, yep. and you go and you sit at that lake or whatever the, the scenario that you have. And if you're yep. free of expectation, man, you're creating things in your mind. And now you're looking at the deep, dark woods and the vastness or the ocean or whatever. There's a reason they created all these monsters. There's a reason there's Loch Ness and Sasquatch and mermaids and, you know, whatever, and the Kraken and all of that and space aliens. It's because you sit there and you stare. And if you don't have any expectation, what can you do but create stories? Yeah, create the let let the imagination run. And somebody tells a good story. Next thing you know, it's like you're repeating. Go, here's what I heard. You play that telephone game. Next thing you know, it's like you go out there. It's like, sure, but do you want a giant squid tentacle up your a hole? I'm not going near the ocean. Well, and like going back to that uh, concept of uh, the expectation, like I I will pretty much watch Aaron Rodgers. go for in the fourth quarter. Yep. If he's down, I, I'm at a point now where I expect a Hail Mary. Oh, yeah. in the Unless like it's in the playoffs. Cause he's going to choke. Yeah. Well, no, not, not playoffs. Yeah, regular yeah, season though. He's great. Yeah. But if it's regular season, yeah. he's going to make that Hail Mary throw and yeah. it might just get caught. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was watching the, uh, I was the, the beast quake game, the Marshawn Lynch running over oh, the yeah. saints in the playoffs. They're seven and nine and the saints are the, the favorite, but they're the road team. Cause of the division, whatever. Yeah. And the, I was at my in-laws and nobody watches football. And so slowly people were like coming into the room and I'm explaining, like I'm setting up the scenario and everybody's yeah. like, whatever. And slowly like a little crowd starts forming. There's questions coming at me and I'm explaining how football works to everybody. And then dude just mows over all these people. And dude, by the end of the game, we had a ton of football fans and they're like, that was unbelievable. I'm like, you don't even know how unbelievable that was. I'm standing on the couch and whatever. So it's like, even, even, but even if you go and you get that experience the first time, you never have that excitement of like, you don't know how many times I've watched this happen. It doesn't, it doesn't work like this. And you end up feeding off of somebody else's energy, but then you're never going to get that again too. So it's, it's, it's good and bad. If you get that perfect experience the first time out. Absolutely. Well, okay. I'll give you one. So first time experience. I know we're about done here. Yeah. We'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up with this, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. First time experience this last weekend. I did something for the first time that I've never done before in the state of Oregon. And I got to hunt an animal that I've never hunted before. And it was super fun. It was uh, no sage grouse. Uh, 
So saw about 40 Nutri on the golf course yesterday. <laughs> it's just everywhere, man. Just go put so, smack them with a nine iron. The cool part about Sage, there's well, there's cool parts, there's uncool parts. Uh the thing that I I love about what the Sage Grouse is, is they are ultimately a, currently a survival story. They're, They're also a uh Emmyogram eight. Don't start. Oh, sorry. All of them, every single sage. Every bird. single one of them. I, I read it. <laughs> but so these birds, right, they're actually a very uh, a very fragile bird. And it's because the reason they're fragile is because the environment that they exist in. You uh, chase them with a shotgun. Yeah, I know. Okay. But, that, sure. but again, we realized after we got done hunting why they have such regulation on this particular bird. Yeah. Um, and so... The way that this hunt would end up going, my dad and I were out in the deep southeast of Oregon um, because I have drawn a mule deer tag for this year. Nice. And it's an area that I haven't been to. And so we wanted to go scout it. As part of the scouting opportunity, we we're like, well, heck, we can put in for a sage grouse tag in the same area and give us a reason to have a shotgun in our hands as we're just touring the grounds. Totally. Right. Yeah. My brother does turkey hunting for the same reason. Exactly. So we get out there and, you know, dad and I, we, we find a reservoir that does have water. The, the, the name of the game in the high desert is find water and you're going to find animals. That's yep. how it goes. So we find some water and uh, dad and I, we get up in the morning, just have coffee. Literally, we have shotguns in one hand and coffee mug in the other. And we're just walking around in the wood or in the, in the sage. Yep. Um, I end up getting a couple of bunnies that morning, uh, that I, I, I wanted a couple of bunnies. I was looking for a bunny meal anyway. Yeah. So that goes down. And then my dad, uh, fires a shot from the other side of the, these trees and he comes over the radio and he's like found birds, you know, didn't, he didn't get any, but he found, he's got these found birds, these birds they they live in coveys, especially broods when we're coming out of their nesting period. Uh, so you have young birds still with the mom and sometimes the, the males or the cock birds, they will just hang around the group. So dad kicks these, these bird, this group of birds up their, their first flight away. They go, they take off probably half a mile to three quarters of a mile, but you can see them across the stage. You yeah. see where they land I and mean, it's not, you can see that far. So we get done with coffee and, and we let them sit for about 30, 45 minutes and we go make a hunt on them doing a, what, what most hunters would call a classic pincer move. Right. Sure, yeah. Uh, we, we, we surrounded and I end up getting a bird out of that group and it was the, you know, so I knock it down on the wing. It was great, great experience. And in that morning, so I've got two or three rabbits and I've got a bird. This has been a great morning. We're now going to go, you know, scout for some deer, you know, deer territory, do our thing. And then we get back, we do the scouting, we see some great country, get, pick some spots that I'm going to hunt, but we get back that night and back to where we ultimately had camped that morning. And because it was the only water that we found yeah. the entire day. So we were like, okay, well, we still have three more tags to fill on these sage grouse. And my dad, he's like, you know, these birds, when I jumped them up, we had walked out for about an hour and then dad was walking back to the truck and he jumped them off the water. So between in the hour that we were gone away from this water, these birds had flown in, gotten water and were there, you know, just feeding and yep. getting water in the morning. So my dad that night, he's like, I think we should just sit on the water and just wait for him to come in, have a cup of coffee and just screw this walking around, beating our feet up. Meanwhile, our dog's pads are, are pretty tore up. They're, they're hurting. So I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So we get up in the morning, get our coffee. 
Literally, I have video and I'll send it to you later. I have video and I'm sitting on the right. Dad's sitting on the left. We sit there for 45 minutes and no joke. Here come five absolutely gorgeous cockbirds. So and for those of you that don't know, the sage grouse is the one that has the white chest and they balloon these, uh, these air sacs up that turn yellow when they're mating. And they, and they make this, it's this thumping sound. Like it's a, anyway, so there, and when you see a a neat, a a bird that is a mature bird, you can tell the difference between that and a immature bird very easily. It is a stark difference in size, in color. And so these birds, they, you, on the video, you see my dad, he's like, here they come. And sure enough, on a line, as if we're just sitting in a duck blind, here come these sage grouse, just, just beelining for us. And then I come to the right and I'm like, take them and just make the call. And you see these three birds go down in front of us. You see my dog go down and, you know, barrel roll one of them and, and, and get it back up to us. But it was all this action. This is our first hunt ever. Yeah. Right. And it just, it just went off the exact way we wanted it to happen. We get a limit of birds. We didn't have to walk, but 50 yards from nice. the truck camp. Uh, it was absolutely perfect. But the expectation now is that, right? It is like, if it is not that from now on, yep. this is a failure of a trip. We had to work too damn hard for these birds. <laughs> it sucks. But yeah, but yeah, it, it is, uh, it is too funny how we set that expectation based on our first experiences with anything in this world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's the way it works. The first podcast we did was great and we've just been failing since then. But if you want to go back and listen to any of these podcasts, the how to podcast with Luke and Ben is available on odyssey.com. Uh, follow Ben on his social medias. Listen to my radio show uh, on 1080 the fan uh, and get more content from us. If you want. Absolutely. Cool. We'll see y'all soon. All right, Ben, I got to get running. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. You too. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.